Alex Jones sent kitty porn to the lawyers of Sandy Hook victims? It might actually be true, but it's not what you think. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And that is exactly what I do. I take the stories from the week, the big stories, the stuff that gets into that 24-7 cable news cycle and seems always to be about personalities and drama. It feels like a soap opera or a reality show. And it might appear to be smoke and mirrors or just generating uh, ratings and revenues from the lowest common denominator. But I have come to believe that anything that makes that major, major news cycle, anything that gets the big headlines, it's not necessarily fake. It's not necessarily false, but it is there for a reason. And it's there for a reason almost always to influence your decision, your opinions, your consent to the way things are run, to the policies of our government. And almost always, in or- for something to rise to that level of propaganda, it probably would not pass in a normal course of legislative action, the normal kind of uh, methods of civilization that have emerged over the millennia. And the story I want to focus on this week is a unique example. I just last night cracked the code. I was like, oh, yes, I know what this is all about. So it's actually, because it's taken me long enough to crack that code, it's going to take a little time for us to do that together, for me to get you to where that aha moment I had yesterday. And it's uh, around this, the latest story of Alex Jones. Alex Jones, you may have heard of him now, but when I first started doing this show years ago, I, I knew who he was, but most people didn't. And I realized that he was going to play an increasingly larger role when Bill O'Reilly started talking about him, then Hillary Clinton. Over the years, he's become symbolic and important in a big way. But what his, what he, his claim to fame is, what he's always been, is that has a website, InfoWars, Prison Planet. He's rather histrionic, very dramatic. He made his bones by sneaking into a Bohemian Grove ritual, a kind of elite occultism, and revealed that to the world and, and has actually produced a lot of stuff that has merit, uh, opens people's eyes. Now, it's just like the mainstream media. It doesn't always have to be, it, it, the majority of the stuff might be true, but it doesn't mean it doesn't serve a purpose. So I be, believe I'm beginning to understand the purpose that he serves. Uh, and and I want to unfold that, but it, but just generally, if you read the articles that he's been featured in recently, I could read you the first line of probably everything I pulled off the big sites. Uh, he's far right wing. He's got a fringe website. He's an extremist. He's a conspiracy theorist. This is the image that is that he represents. And lately he's been in the news because the parents of Sandy Hook victims are suing him for 
this isn't exactly what it says, but generally speaking, in, in the kind of terms that you're used to hearing, intentional infliction of emotional distress and also defamation. Defamation is when you publish something that isn't true, that's negative, and that hurts somebody's reputation and actually creates damages that can be awarded. These are torts. They're civil cases. And he's been featured in these for stuff he said about Sandy Hook, the shooting uh, in the elementary school in Connecticut in, I think it was December 2012. So uh, this is what he's been um, in the news about. But there was something last week, this week, that made the news in a big way. Shocking, shocking headlines. If this guy, if you didn't already think this guy was bad news, the the headlines you're reading this week will absolutely tear it. Uh, so it's funny because my producer Binkley here is uh, um, a little more plugged in. I've kind of I'm not as plugged into Facebook and stuff like that as I used to be, and I um, for, I'm sure that's true for a lot of people who are listening to me. But so Binkley, first of all, hi, how you doing? I'm hot. It's hot outside. You're hot. Maybe you should be unplugged for a while. You're probably right. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to overheat. That's a a reference to our pro- one of our recent shows or podcasts where if you say to Alexa, Alexa, you're hot, instead of telling you to unplug her because she is an electronic device, she um, digitally slaps your face because she's now a feminist. She's a feminist, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Bigley, you should probably get unplugged for a little bit, but not until the show's over. Stay plugged in for now. Right. So. Uh, so what do you so what do you think people think happened this week with Alex Jones? Why, why what has demonized him this week? Well, on social media, people on the left have been propagating this idea that he's spreading child porn around and sending child porn directly to the parents of the Sandy Hook victims. That was one headline that I saw shared by many people on Facebook. Okay. So we're going to be extra cautious and making sure we keep it clean here. So if there is deeper stuff, I don't want to know it. That's enough for me. So this is what they're saying. And I actually hadn't been looking at the Facebook stuff. I was reading the, the stories. Like I try to read the cases. I started trying to read the filings, which are much harder to get than you would think. I mean, the biggest sources, the biggest stories should that purport to tell you about uh, these cases you would think they would just link to the source material. I mean, these are these are the these are the the platforms that we're supposed to look up to. They're supposed to support them. We're supposed to pass laws to protect the mainstream media. I want to get to that in this show, and and they never reference any source material. But uh, but so what I found is it was actually kind of disturbing. The judge, so in the, in the, in this civil case, so it's a civil case, it's not a criminal case. So the reading of how you would apply the Fourth Amendment to stuff is not crystal clear. I mean, it it definitely seems to be crystal clear. I personally think that the civil cases should have a Fourth Amendment type protection because it's just too much of a hazard to say, that you can't, that you can use a civil case to get to stuff that you could not otherwise get to, and then criminal charges could emerge from it. So if this guy's really sending 
uh, Kitty Port around, he'd be in jail for it no matter how it was discovered, and he's not. But let me just tell you, so what this judge said when he was he's being sued and the plaintiffs asked for uh, a lot of stuff and the judge allowed it, what she allowed them to have access to are, is this, get this, letters, memos, emails, and text messages concerning business plan and marketing strategies for InfoWars, which is a $20 million annual revenue operation, the shooting at Sandy Hook, crisis actors, and mass shootings in general. So letters, memos, emails, and text messages on on their business plan, their marketing strategies, the shooting at Sandy Hook, crisis actors, and mass shootings in general. And this is a big operation this guy has. And I looked at my phone uh, before the show, that's my screen of my phone. I have one little app in the corner that everybody probably has that has a little mail, it's a little mailbox, and all my mailboxes go to that. Right now, it says that I have unread messages in all of my mailboxes, which are all mailboxes I use actively, 114,000 unread messages <laughs> in my – is that normal, Binkley? Do you have that? That's Yeah, that's for me it is, yeah. Yeah, I have one one thing that's just for commercial stuff. So if I'm buying something, I never sign up for emails or anything and or newsletters or ads, but they send them to you anyway. So I have one, and that has probably 60,000 unread. But So these are unread. I have 140, and I'm and I'm I don't really conduct like revenue generating business like this guy does. So it would be virtually impossible to curate that, to look through that stuff and and comply with the court's order in any kind of specificity. So if you wanted to just use the Fourth Amendment as a kind of touchstone for what what is uh, reasonable for your expectations of privacy. Now, this is criminal, mixing criminal and civil, but like just what you think of as an American of what you're entitled to your privacies and protections. Uh, the fourth, the fourth amendment says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So they're, if they're looking for something specific that you could then go find and produce, that would be one thing, but they're not. So by default, if you don't give them everything that falls onto this broad category, they, then you've got problems with them. So what, you're, what are you going to do? You're going to give them everything. And, I, and I, then my first time a red flag went up for this was an even worse case. It was Michael Cohen, who they confiscated millions of documents from him. They really, from what I read, did not give him a chance to actually answer with specificity. It created such a broad net that many, many people had what I would consider and other and legal scholars have considered a violation of the attorney-client privilege, which robs you of your Sixth Amendment right to counsel. You want to ask somebody, am I doing right or wrong here? You have to be honest about what you're doing, even if it's a good faith effort to do the right thing. These are serious, important protections, and they're just glossed over in the background here. But the reason this guy ended up sending kitty porn to the lawyers, from what I understood, was it was in an unopened email in an inbox that they sent. So they didn't even know it. Yet the lawyers who received it found it very quickly, 
responded immediately, and this drew the ire of Alex Jones, who then did something stupid that got him into even more trouble and set further precedents, uh, specifically that he then lost his right to file for uh, to dismiss charges against him in the case. And even worse, he has to now pay for the plaintiffs to file stuff against him with regard to this kitty porn stuff. So he should likely he would be able to just dismiss it because clearly he had no idea. But now he has to finance the nuisance against him on an on that what might have been otherwise dismissed. I mean, this is a very screwy case right here. I believe the FBI cleared him of the the. The image charges already. He was being treated as a victim in those. And yeah, that part of the story that you just mentioned, what that did is that enabled the media to shift the focus to the sanctions and just ignore the fact that they basically were defaming someone. Right. And what he did. But here's the thing. He plays into this stuff because because he says he what he did was he punched a picture of the lawyer on his show. (laughs) So it's not like he said that guy is defaming me. Like he could have just done it in a way that would be helpful. And instead, the judge said, oh, you threatened the lawyer, de facto threatened the lawyer. And uh, and there and now I'm going to punish you for it. So there are a lot of nuances here, but I want to stay focused on what we need to be aware of to guard against ourselves. He's not a sympathetic character, and that's actually part of the plot. So I'm going to get to that in a second, 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Everything she said was true. She knew, and nobody believed her. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. We are talking about the true purpose of the Alex Jones story this week, where he sent kitty porn to the lawyers for Sandy Hook victims. Let's get to the bottom of that. I'm going to Jerry on the line. Uh, Jerry, you're on with Monica. What you got? Hi, Monica. Hi, Binkley. Okay, so I think one of two things are happening here. Either this is a concerted, continued effort to take Alex Jones out because they've kicked him off of Facebook. They've suspended his website. I mean, they've done all kinds of things to try to silence this guy. Now, I I personally don't like him because he's just too over the top for me. Or this is a, a media play, meaning the money that the money worth of coverage that he's going to get in terms of exposure is tens of millions of dollars. And I'm just curious what you think. It's it's yeah. one of the two, because this guy is not an idiot. He's a very smart guy. He's a very good businessman. He's, like I said, he's a little extreme, but he is a businessman. And he's got, I think, about $20 million of annual revenue. So he's not no small potatoes anymore. Um, he's got millions of millions of people that go to his website, millions of people that listen to him. And it, like I said, it's either they're trying to silence him, but he's not going to send that type of email to those lawyers. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm going to answer, I'm going to tell you what I think about your um, choice after the break. 800-WSB-TALK. Uh, this is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Now, there is a president who may have been elected, but the real man in charge lives several miles underground. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. 
I am here on WSB waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6. And we are just beginning what should be, uh, I have many layers to peel of this onion on what what is the true purpose of Alex Jones in the news. It seems like drama. It seems like personalities, but there's always a reason for these things. Even if there's no reason, no big sinister reason for the lawsuits to go on, for the story to be out there, there are reasons for the kind of publicity this stuff gets, there, that, they, that it hits the mainstream. If there is somebody who is a problem, who says stuff that is going to... <clears throat> Uh, be a threat. They ignore them. This was the big tell for me between Ron Paul and Trump. Ron Paul, it was people, John Stewart would make comedy skits about how Ron Paul would win or near win primaries and not even be listed in the results. They would, that he would show clips of mainstream media just skipping over Ron Paul when they read who was winning. And with Donald Trump, it was the opposite. He would get tons and tons of publicity. Binkley and I, my producer Binkley here, and I were just doing a podcast where we talked about uh, CNN uh, writers being frustrated that the word came down from Zucker to be basically all Trump all the time during the campaign. So this was a media-driven when the media is driving something, you have to wonder why. And the Alex Jones stuff, I think, falls under that category. So there's a little, that's a, a um, traffic alert, special uh, weather alert. Okay. So what we were talking about was why Alex Jones was in the news this week for allegedly sending kitty porn to the lawyers of Sandy Hook victims who were who are suing him for defamation and emotional distress basically I'm shorthanding it so so I think he did there was this what I consider to be overly broad discovery this is something we should be thinking about do not care if you like this guy or not do not care about the emotions don't watch the news for the for the drama of it wonder what's going to happen next no 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 we should be talking about whether it's okay for uh, government authorities to raid Michael Cohen's office and take millions of documents, few of which would be pertinent to the case at hand. Similarly, Alex Jones was required by the court in a civil case to produce letters, memos, emails, and text messages concerning his business plan, his marketing strategies, shooting a Sandy Hook, crisis actors, and mass shootings in general. This for his $20 million business. So this was overly broad discovery, and he could not curate his response. So he sent stuff, and someone had sent him kitty porn in an email that had abusive language in it, which he had not opened. That's, that's the official story, as I can tell. Now, who sent him that? We just had a call from Jerry before the break who said maybe this was all a PR stunt, which would have meant he'd have had to send it to himself and then forward it to lawyer. And then the lawyers on the other side, having gotten at least hundreds of thousands of emails alone, not to mention the other stuff, would have identified it quickly and then brought it to his attention and played into his hands. So it is that is possible, but I highly doubt it because trafficking in that stuff gets you to uh, jail. <laughs> so 
this would be quite a dramatic publicity stunt. There was a whistleblower, Donald Sockleben, who was an FBI guy and every high-profile case you could name from the era that he was there, Oklahoma City, World Trade Center, 92, or whatever year that was, all this stuff, and uh, the underwear bombing. And he was supposedly the whistleblower. I actually think he was convicted for the whistleblowing on the second underwear bomber, which outed an MI6 agent, a British intelligence agent. He outed this guy, and they put him in jail for it and in a bizarre coincidence they also found kitty porn on his laptop and that encouraged him to not fight the whistleblower charges rather to accept a plea so you go to jail for a long time for this stuff and it would i cannot imagine that anybody would want to dabble in that uh jerry also proposed that the that the alternative to this being a PR stunt is that they're really trying to take him out because he's a threat. And I don't, Jerry also mentioned the caller, Jerry, before the break also mentioned that he didn't care for Alex Jones because he was too over the top. And that is actually that opinion that Jerry had, I think is the key to what's going on here. They take this guy who does actually a disservice to the causes, in my opinion, when he was on Piers Morgan to talk about gun rights, he acted crazy and attacked Piers Morgan uh, verbally on an unrelated issue. It was an ad hominem attack, whereas Larry Pratt, the Gun Owners of America guy, was on Piers Morgan. He made Piers Morgan look like an idiot <laughs> So because there, there's so much merit to the gun rights argument, which Jones deserved. And that's when he lost me. After that, I was like, I don't, I don't care if he's sincere or insincere. He's doing a disservice, and I don't care for him. So he serves this purpose. As being a villain. And this is the key, I think, to what is the ultimate, you know, a very serious tactic that's emerged. And this is it. This is my aha moment from the other night, yesterday. Uh, I remember. So what? What are the? What is Alex Jones prompting? What big policy change? So all these little violations of our right, little violations. These are the most serious things. I mean, those the the Bill of Rights to me is is all you need, and you need it all. And that these encroachments are very serious, in my opinion. But but a policy issue that I think is at the heart of the Alex of Alex Jones being in the limelight is that. The damage he causes, the damage he's accused of causing, being sued for, for causing, is so detrimental to society, it cannot be tolerated, and people like him need to be censored. That's the message you're supposed to hear. Binkley, my producer, is here. Binkley, can I ask you, do you does that seem right to you? Am I missing something that he's that, that a lot of this is driven to censorship and by the scare tactic that he causes irreparable damage? Absolutely. And some of it, I think, maybe is going to trigger self-censorship in people that are in alternative media. Absolutely right. That So this specific defamation suit, this in, intentional infliction of emotional distress, I believe will has a couple of impacts that do not rise to the level of policy. They are, in my opinion, they will bankrupt people like Gawker was bankrupted in – High style by Peter Thiel uh, for exercising what they said was freedom of the press. It was distasteful 
and unpleasant, so people aren't annoyed with this outcome. They don't like it. Uh, they don't like what they did, so it's okay that they went down in a blaze because uh, they were sued into oblivion. So that didn't require policy changes at the highest level. It didn't require us to vote for laws. It just effectively, through the legal process, bankrupted. And then that those bankruptcies will... Now, for these big, high-profile people who can fight some of these more frivolous lawsuits, they won't be. Ba- they probably won't be bankrupted. But if they lose, they could be bankrupted. And even if you are right, even if you are not engaging in intentional infliction of emotional stress, even if you're just a pure, good-faith journalism touching on sensitive subjects, subjects that people don't want to touch on, questioning the official narrative, you cannot afford to put yourself in jeopardy if you could be the victim of a nuisance suit that you could win if you had the resources but might be bankrupted in the process. Now, that's a very serious thing, and you would have to chill yourself, not out of cowardice, not out of a fear of damage to your reputation, but out of literally being bankrupted out of existence. So that is, I think... uh, at the level of this right here, a very real and effective attack on free speech. Then I think there's also, and we can see it in what I want to talk about during the show, the Republican, Hawley, I think his name is, the youngest senator, put up this uh, anti-bias bill. But basically it's a censorship bill or it's a it's a reducing the immunity uh, of some of these platforms, internet platforms, based on their perceived lack of political neutrality. Let's let's talk about that in a little bit, but I'm just pointing out there are policies in play uh, for, for wholesale regulation of the internet. There was such stuff in the past. So here are the two things, right? This guy is defaming people, scaring people, as the ADL had said Uh, in praise of Tim Cook, that he was putting down dangerous anti-government conspiracy theories. So these are dangerous. They're dangerous. They're hurtful. People get, uh, like, Pizzagate prompted someone to go uh, with a gun and shoot up the pizza place. So these things have real damage to their being harassed, that Sandy Hook parents are, are... supposedly being harassed as a result of this stuff. So people are really getting damaged. And then also another leg of that stool of why we need censorship on the internet is that conservative voices are being screened out by these outsized big tech platforms. So these are the things. They're scary and dangerous, and they're politically unfair. If you will recall, in January 2012, There were widespread protests. The internet blacked out. 130,000 or 115,000 websites blacked out on one day in protest of SOPA and PIPA, which were two bills that were allegedly anti-piracy bills. But they were so egregious. I'll read you a little bit about it after the break. They were so egregious that everyone objected to them. They would not allow internet censorship to come down. Actually, let me just uh, read it to you. It's the It said that 
Legal analysts suggested draconian court orders could be obtained without uh, undue difficulty to take down an entire entire site without dialogue or notification, due process, or liability for compensation if incorrect, even if the site were legitimate. Perceived consequences include serious undermining of free speech on the Internet, devastation of Internet communities, and widespread closure and chilling of websites, include, particularly those including user-created content uh, or organizations providing reference materials. So people went bananas for laws that were going to do exactly what we are now clamoring for in the wake of people like Alex Jones or the, conser- the allegations of conservative, uh, anti-conservative bias. So I think we have now been reduced to using terrorism or we're the victim of a kind of uh, making us emotionally terrorized, fearful. And that is prompting us to support laws that we would not otherwise support. So let's explore that a little more after the break. 800 WSB Talk, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. She's an anti-Terminator Terminator? On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We're back. Uh, so I think I kind of jammed that in a little too fast about the SOPA and PIPA stuff. I My point was that uh, they there were all these... We are... When real policies are presented to us, that gives the government a lot of power. And they tell us why their reasons. We weigh those reasons and we consider whether we're willing to take the chance, whether the chance is zero tolerance for that chance, whether it's highly likely, highly unlikely, what the damage is, just like you assess all risks in your life. And we decided absolutely overall, without question, that we did not want to risk the government shutting down websites in the name of protecting us from copyright infringement. That's what the excuse they were using. But they wrote it in a way that was very risky to our Internet freedom. And they tried and tried. They rewrote the bill. They tried and tried to get it passed, SOPA and PIPA, and they could not get it done. Then shortly after that, so this was January 2012, let's say, um, the conspiracy theory hoax era uh, was started about a year later. So the, so if, if you think of Sandy Hook as the, as the focal point for the hoax stories, that was in December of 2012. And then as, and as a matter of fact, I read a great article a while back about that for, at Akamai Tree, which is now gone. Um, I'll tell you about that after the break, and uh, that's severe weather, so listen in. This is Monica Perez. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We are in the middle of a conversation here about the Alex Jones 
story that was in the news. He, Alex Jones is described as a far right wing fringe conspiracy theorist, uh, website mogul. He, yes, uh, he, I, I don't, I don't know what far right wing even means in that context at all, but he definitely has his conspiracy theories and he is being sued by the Sandy Hook families for defamation and emotional distress not in so many words but that's basically what it is they're torts there are damages when you defame someone so it has to be published it has to be false it has to be damaging and it has to have actually in order to collect damages you have to damages have to be definable so when in Congress, they were talking about this legislation that was required or some action that needed to be taken because Hillary Clinton was depicted with bloody fangs after consuming uh, a child, something like that, that this should not be allowed. And um, my response was the she she would have if it, if anyone took that seriously and it actually gave ruined her reputation which would really affect her ability to make a living then she would have a very easy case of defamation there are there are remedies for this stuff gawker had to pay over 100 million dollars or that was the last i heard about the judgment which brought it to its knees to hulk hogan for for some sex tapes they published so there are there are remedies for this stuff in the law. We don't actually need big laws against doing this stuff. If you do it, you have to take the consequences. So when people say the right to free speech is unlimited, is not unlimited, there are limits. I say yes, the limits are self-imposing. The limits are when you encroach on somebody else's rights, they get to push back. And the awards that they get are high because it's a pain to sue people and it's costly and you need to be deterred from frivolous suits, but you need to be encouraged uh, by ones with merit in order to keep everybody honest. But in this case, I see a deeper meaning here to the Alex Jones thing. And and I it came to me in an aha moment. I mentioned it before the break, but I think it's worth one more time reiterating it because we there was a policy, a there was a law that the government really, really, really tried to pass uh, numerous times in numerous forms, and no one would accept it. It absolutely died on the vine. And then shortly after that, we had this whole um, conspiracy theory demonization hoax universe open up. And now we have a really emotional approach to doing the exact same thing that these that these policies were meant to effect. And so the policy of the SOPA and PIPA, they were anti-piracy laws proposed that that 115,000 Internet companies boycotted the Internet for this. And many, many users also protested because uh, and I'm reading this one more time, the objections as reported by Wikipedia, legal analysts suggested that draconian court orders could be obtained without undue difficulty to, quote, take down an entire site without dialogue or notification, due process or liability for compensation, if incorrect, even if the site were legitimate. Uh, it could seriously undermine free speech. It would devastate the Internet's communities and it would chill websites. So people would not uh, would not 
publish what they wanted to publish. And and this actually is happening as a result of the Sandy Hook thing, and it happens to me and my producer here, Binkley. Doesn't that sound like what happens to us with WordPress? Yeah. That we were taken down. We were taken down uh, without. This also says um, remedies for wrongful allegations. We we had a business plan at WordPress. We paid extra for that. I didn't say anything about uh, uh, Sandy Hook hoax or anything. All I did was I put up a picture that was on the BBC, which identified the Sandy Hook victim as a not an American person, a person of a different name as the victim of the Pakistan school massacre with the exact same photograph. And I said, this is crazy. Yeah. I was calling the BBC out for it. And it was like two years later, right? After Sandy Hook. Uh, this all happened. I don't remember when the Pakistan school massacre was, say, three years ago, at least two years after that. They, they were showing a picture of a child that we were already told had been killed. Yeah, it was right? a picture of a Sandy Hook victim was being held up by a mother of the Pakistan massacre. Yeah. And the implication and then the BBC actually reported this kid under a different name, even though it was the same picture as the Sandy Hook picture. And they were saying that it was this other person. And I said, it was crazy. How could they make that mistake? That's all I was saying. And WordPress said, the father of that child, the Sandy Hook victim, wants you to take the picture down. So I did. <laughs> but there were a couple of pictures. I just, they sent me a link. I took the picture down. They asked me to take down. And they, they said, he wants you to take the other picture down too, which was just another like news website that I was just saying, I can't believe they're making this report. And I said, I said, I'm not, they said, but we don't think you should. We are, these are the statutes that protect you. We have protected users in the past. You should keep it up. And uh, if you want to keep it up, you can keep it up. So I did. I said, oh, what's the worst that could happen? They will just take it down for me. Well, they took down everything, my whole site. They gave me no warning. They did not answer my, my questions about why they did it, what the remedy. There was no remedy, no response, no explanation. It was devastating to my life's work. And you got dragged down with it, Binkley, because you and I shared a website at that time. Yeah, they took it down overnight. And it's not like we were driving a lot of revenue for, to the website, no. but there were other people who who were who also got their sites taken down. So it was economic warfare in a sense. And what is interesting about it is there's never been any real explanation about that picture. So you're not even allowed to ask about it. Yeah. No, the merits of the of the case, I'm staying away from because it doesn't even matter at this point if you're right or wrong, because these nuisance suits can bankrupt you anyway. Yeah. So uh, I can talk. I have this platform, but other people had I mean, just about everybody, thousands of people had their websites just taken down. And I and someone gave me the heads up like there's a way you can just get the raw data of the stuff that you had posted. And I looked and I found like for one week they left it up there. But I just didn't even understand what they were telling me or if they were telling me. I don't even think they told me like you can retrieve your stuff if you download this XML file. I don't even know what it's called. And I did. But it's not like I mean, a lot of stuff was not. It was hard to then get to. It was a devastating experience. But it, it what happened to me was exactly what is what is uh, what was objected to by Pippa and Sopa, which failed to pass. So what happened was people saw that this kind of thing could be could come out of that policy. And what I'm saying is, this kind of thing is coming out of this other uh, 
it's not a policy. It doesn't even rise to the level of a policy. So we can't object to it. We can't stop it. It's happening by pressuring big tech to take it into their own hands, by chilling people, by suing them, all of this stuff. But my point is that the feared outcome, which was arbitrary and recourseless takedowns of independent journalists on the Internet, is happening just as described in the objections to Pippa and Sopa, which makes me think that was the actual intended consequence of Pippa and Sopa and not the unintended consequence. And if they couldn't get it that way, they were going to get it another way by inciting fear. And I will tell you, thinking of them as using fear as the new driver for policy. All right, that's not a new idea, but it's the go-to tactic now. It's it's plan B for the for the government and for the resistance and everybody else alike. When they say, well, this is what we have to do when the normal ways don't work. And it's not like the normal ways don't work. The normal ways work all too well. They actually stop things from happening that will railroad people's rights. It's that they're not giving you the outcome you want. That's why you're going outside the law. And a perfect example, a demonstration of of how they exploit this concept of terrorism is we talked about before I talked about a long time ago, this policy by the Bush administration called total information awareness, where they wanted to have cameras on every street corner, microphones too, I believe, which is where you get this thing called shot spotter. They have the, the eyes and ears are everywhere. And the goal was total information awareness. So everybody in the country and ultimately on earth would have face voice and gait recognition so they could see you walking away as well as walking towards them these recognitions so that everybody would be they would have total information awareness of everyone at all times this became news congress shut it down and i reported on it it had a crazy logo of a pyramid with an all-seeing eye above it beaming out a light beam that enrobed the globe it was the it was the most provocative, and then the logo was Scientia es Potentia, knowledge is power. Later, after they took it down, people still referred to it as saying, "Look, see, this is what they're up to." After they took it down, they renamed it Terrorism Information Awareness. So it still had the same acronym TIA. Now it's called Terrorism Information Awareness. And that just shows you, when, when I talked about a couple of weeks ago, the origin of Google as being the surveillance of everyone all the time in many different ways, like a, through different websites, but Google specifically to get an internal map of your mind and the mind of people like you by the questions you ask. How clever. And and every every so often it would be like, because terrorism. So so my point is whatever the terrorists they're looking for, Jigsaw is a Google arm designed to attack right-wing terrorism, uh, pro or anti-abortion activists, gun rights activists uh, have all been classified as domestic terrorists in official documents before. So they take whatever it is they can't pass, they always resort to one form or another of what they label as terrorism. And that is intimidation and coercion. And although it's not physical force, although that you it can be dangerous in that way, we I think we need to be hyper aware of it so that we can guard against falling for that because it's where the emotions come in. 
And uh, I want to explore a little more of the idea of how they use villains and heroes to affect this. So you can be aware of that, too. Yeah, I'm open to calls. 800 WSB Talk. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Wait a minute. This is the future. All the phase of on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. That was basically the only clip from Demolition Man where Wesley Snipes does not draw a vulgarity sanction. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to do like any other clip, but like every single one of them is. Yeah. Uh... Anyway, so the that machine sound... goes off in the background. Yes, like you keep getting tickets for using vulgarity, which I actually took me a few tries on radio before I could stop. I know and I'm a nice girl, but I just my father's a truck driver and I just learned vulgarity. And there's some place in your brain that you just can't get rid of it. It's really I've quit smoking. I've dieted. I've just been just I mean, I can quit anything, but I have a hard time quitting vulgarity. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. That made me want to emphasize it with a you know, off-color <laughs> expression. It's a tough one, Dagnabbit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that oh, I want to, I want to tell you about a bill. So we're talking about SOPA and PIPA and how it was going to lead to censorship, and absolutely, the world was up in arms. It was not going to pass. Well, a GOP senator, Hawley, the youngest senator out there, said he recently introduced a bill. I'm just going to read this from The Hill, so take it for what it's worth. A bill requiring companies to prove they are politically neutral before they receive protections under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which largely gives Internet platforms legal immunity over content posted on their sites by third parties. So I ask you, people... Do you are you in favor of this? Do you want to uh, censor the internet or or regulate it so that conservative, anti-conservative bias is not exercised by big tech? And then I'm going to uh, fold that into the previous conversation after the break. Uh, Eight hundred WSB Talk four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Evil does seek to maintain power by suppressing the truth. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am Monica Perez. Waking up Atlanta to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on WSB. And the threat this week, as I see it, is a threat to the freedom of speech I don't like how the Fourth Amendment and the Sixth Amendment are being treated either. But the but what we're talking about is a code I had cracked was that there was legislation coming down the pipe that was going to, under the guise of protecting copyrights, have the ability to take down websites with little fanfare. And actually, now that I think about it, my website oh, – this is so interesting – Binkley, you had just pointed out during the break, don't forget, we got taken down from WordPress in the aftermath of an Alex Jones event. Yeah, and we said on the show, even if you don't like Alex Jones, you should not like what's happening to him because it's going to happen to other people, potentially us, and then it did happen to us. Yeah, like the next week, yeah. actually, if I recall correctly. You could probably find that from our episodes. So, But here's the funny thing. I just made this connection as we're talking 
is I read, uh, I was reading one of the articles about the Alex Jones case and a woman, Anna Merlan, a journalist and the author of Republic of Lies, American Conspiracy Theorist and Their Surprising Rise to Power. <laughs> Uh, was interviewed, I guess, on ABC News, and it said, uh, Lenny Posner will tell you that he started out simply asking people to try to consider how hurtful it was for him and other parents to hear these theories, um, and that the fight also included trying to get them to stop using his family photos. But it's also important to recognize that one of the things they're doing here is not just trying to get these people to stop spreading lies, but to get people to stop actively harassing them. Now, I had written in the side note, I was like, that's not what he got. I got taken down because Leonard Posner said I was violating his copyright to that picture of his fam- of his son. And it's and it's not really a copyright violation because it was fair use. If anybody was violating copyright, it would be the BBC who took the picture and claimed it was somebody else. I was just saying the BBC is misrepresenting this person. So, but it was a copyright action. So when they were looking at this Pippa and Sopa stuff and saying, you, what you're going to do in the name of copyright is take down websites with little recourse and no due process. Funny enough, that is exactly what happened to me and not because I was defaming them or was intentionally inflicting upon them emotional distress. It was simply a question of copyright, which WordPress said clearly this is fair use and you should this is the statute and we fought it before. So that was a bit of a setup. And that has also happened on YouTube because of that United Nations copyright uh, regulation that they've implemented and the companies are trying to adhere to. I've been getting strikes on copyright videos that were fair use previously that I've had to take down. Oh, I have seen a lot of people, like, put warnings up at the beginning of their videos now. That's a U.N. thing? That's not the EU thing? EU, excuse me, yes. Yeah, the EU, okay, yes. yeah, the EU thing. Right, so, uh, yeah, everybody thought that EU stuff was so great, but it's it's not. And, yeah. like, a bunch of things came down. They're like, oh, this is going to be protection. It's it's depends on I mean, how you look specifically at it. what you were talking about. Yeah, and here's the thing. What they said, what they objected to with the Pippa and Sopa stuff was that it was – that it was uh, – there was no process for it. There's no appeal, and that is what I experienced. But I have no I, – I would have a legal right, I think, potentially because I had a contract with them, you know, a de facto contract with them for a business relationship with WordPress that they – I mean, they didn't tell me how I violated it, and they caused me actual damages. Yeah, I'm still not up and running, and it has. It's even though some of the, a lot of the labor is donated, it's still costing me. It's economic warfare. Put back up, yeah. So, but here's the thing. So with this, <clears throat> with this, Alex Jones thing, he is. So they're using like private enterprises and private lawsuits and stuff to get this to to get these that's why i don't like like over discovery that that violates the fourth amendment but you don't have to think of it that way because it's a civil case instead of a criminal case it's still the government using its authority to force you to hand stuff over that just isn't specific enough in my opinion and and you would really have to have probable cause to find the specific thing according to the fourth amendment and i think something like that should be more closely adhered to for civil stuff because it creates a moral hazard like this which is to get at you for political purposes, by using private enterprises that are obviously 
cooking something up. I think it's obvious in the past anyway, they it's proven that they've been in bed with the government. So I assume in order to maintain these positions of power and when you say like Facebook might be regulated, Facebook wants to be regulated. I actually heard it on Fox Business News. I sound like a conspiracy theorist. They're talking about stock prices and it's okay. They want to be regulated because the incumbent, the people who are already there, have all this market share. They have all this money. They know they're a proven entity, a known quantity. They can adhere to regulations. But startups, it's just too much risk to have to put compliance departments in. I mean, you would need so much more startup money. And if it fails... They said it would cost millions of dollars per year to be able to stay up to meet those regulations for companies. And that's why it benefits the big guy, the insider. So that is a reason why I think they would cooperate now with this method. They can't be seen to supporting a law that that would violate our rights and cost them money. That would just be too fishy, and they didn't. That was what Pippa and Sopa was. So they so they were using it as copyright stuff, but so they're also using individuals that are scary, villainous individuals, but who you could have like virtually no sympathy for. So he gets up and makes the gun rights argument seem stupid, and that will annoy people he supposedly is on the side of. And then another thing that will annoy them, I noticed with these cases, one of them was he had this deposition. The government compelled him to make a deposition, and he – in the deposition, which is videotaped, there were a lot of legal errors. It was a little screwy, uh, but but one thing that was very notable, he looked like a deer in the headlights. You saw it, right, Binkley? The interrog- the video? The deposition of Alex Jones. Yeah, I saw that. Did he not look like the deer in the headlights to you? At times, yeah. And Well, certainly that's the stuff that's being clipped and sent around. Yeah, yeah. Every picture of him is right. just him like – Yeah, the the pictures <laughs> online right now are definitely of that. Right. So so my point is they're making him – I it took me a long time to figure out like why does he look so scared? Why doesn't he just – like we had the Jerry the caller earlier. It's like we're – he's a smart guy. He's built this huge business. Why – you know, why does he seem like such a clown? And I – and if you – agree with my theory that he's more more or less in on this that he certainly is has been emphasized and promoted because he fits this bill of being fringy and weird and not a good representative of this cause why would he look like that well i think he, his image now is like he's this bully but like all bullies he's really a coward and then you've got – it reminds me of the movie. I think it was called Angels with the Dirty Faces. I think that was the movie. It was a James Cagney movie. Do you remember that movie? I haven't seen it. It it was, I mean, from I think the 30s. And what it was is this hardened criminal. He had a bunch of like orphan boys from a church would worship him. And uh, he had like that kind of – integrity that's sometimes displayed in movies of like the the gangster who's cool i don't know so he had this little following of the orphan boys and when he got arrested on a capital crime for murder he was sentenced to death and uh so this is spoiler alert spoiler alert right here he i i'm so opposed to spoilers but anyway since i don't know don't listen but earmuff 
came out in 1930. It's nine, it, it what? Came out in 1930, right? I thought it was 38. It was something like that. I think, anyway, you're, I think you're safe on the. You spoiler. think I'm safe? Yeah. I don't. I don't like when people tell me what <laughs> happens, like in Star Wars movies. <laughs> I just am like, I don't know if I saw them all. So anyway, what he does? So the priest asks him to uh, not to take it like a man, and he and to so to be yella. And I was like, yella. <laughs> so when he goes to the electric chair or whatever it was, he like starts screaming and fighting and he portrays himself as yella. And that like disillusioned all the boys who no longer followed him. He didn't want to do it, but he did it for them, which I thought was nice. Mm. But I was young and I didn't understand why it mattered. Like I didn't understand what the play was there. I didn't understand. And and then I realized that like you, you can't be somebody's hero when you're a coward like that, like when you're just a, full of it. And that's what I think is happening here. They're trying to make this guy look like a cowardly bully. And this in, in a different, I think it's a little different from what you were telling me before, Binkley, about the Trump stuff. What was the Trump stuff? Oh, they're kind of casting Trump in a similar light, except they're doing it with headlines as opposed to the videos and images. Like one of the headlines from Joe Scarborough yesterday was, this is the president who loves to insult, loves to bully, and then pulls back. Wow. That is oh, spot on of what I was thinking about this Alex Jones thing. And I was only telling you about that at the break, and then you told me about this stuff. I didn't know it was that blatant. Yeah, that's a great way to demonize. But with Trump, I think that plays into what I was talking about last week, which is definitely panning out, where they're making him look like this emo, hothead impulsive, get us into war because uh, he's an idiot kind of guy that he said he was going to uh, strike Iran and then he decided not to because it wasn't worth it. So he he's portraying himself as impulsive, which is very, very dangerous in that position. And then these guys are making it looks like they're picking up on that to claim that he's a coward. But in fact, he's not. I don't think that's he's going to play into that image at all. I believe that what they're actually effectively doing is taunting him. And if he responds to taunts by proving he's no coward, that I think fits into the image that he does play into. So I believe, which I said in my show last week, and I'm just reminding, so in case you want to follow along as this unfolds, that we, that the powers that be, at least the Western powers, the some of the people in the driver's seat here want war with Iran, but it would be a very hard thing to get people to buy into. And nobody wants to be responsible for it. Not the Republicans, not the Democrats, nobody. So they take this guy who looks rogue. They paint him as rogue. They paint him as hot-headed. They paint him as impulsive, as reactionary, as somebody who would respond to taunts like that, and then they taunt him. Yeah, and, and there's get, headlines everywhere yeah. doing that. Yes, yes. That that of course I hadn't seen them, but um I think they must be emerging like as we speak. So I think that they're they're going to they're really setting the stage here as having a narrative that's going to get us into a war that nobody wanted, that they can lay squarely at Trump's feet 
but also implicating Pompeo and Bolton as the stovepipers, as the bad uh, advisors that are these demons working for the military-industrial complex. But they're really going to cordon off who's responsible for this war. I see that uh, emerging, and and I think this bully as coward theme is is definitely an archetype that's being tapped into in two different ways with the Alex Jones and the Trump thing. Uh, I want to know if people are on board with this Hawley thing or not. Do we need regulation to safeguard conservative viewpoints? Give me a call, 800-WSB-TALK, 404-872-0750, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. No, never give up, never surrender. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I threw out the question if people are in favor of the Republican senator, the youngest senator is a Republican, Hawley, who introduced a bill requiring companies to prove they are politically neutral before they receive protections under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which largely gives Internet platforms legal immunity over content posted on their sites by third parties. Uh, it says this article in the Hill says the Missouri, I read this stuff. It's hard to understand. So I'm just reading the summary from the, um, article. The Missouri Republicans legislation comes after Republican lawmakers for more than a year have threatened to gut section 230 over allegations that the top social media companies in the world are biased against conservatives, a claim that the tech companies have categorically denied and say has not been substantiated by any evidence. I can actually categorically deny that. And say there is evidence that substantiates it in a in um, an article I pinned to the top of uh, on my website, thepropreport.com, in the section the pool, uh, shows that Twitter does definitely discriminate. And I have a couple of calls I want to talk about this. Pierce and Paul, hang on. I'm really interested in what you have to say. You've got good ideas, and I don't want to cut you off with my short segment. So hang on. Anybody else wants to chime in? 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Please take my hand. Now open your mind to me. Please open your mind. Open your mind. Open this is monica perez waking atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every saturday from three to six right here on news 95.5 and am 750 wsb and that is exactly what we have been doing for the past two hours and we've got an hour left for uh to continue peeling the onion on something i consider to be very interesting and uh, different from what the presenting issue is. So the Alex Jones story, I think, is about so much more than the defamation suit against him. I think it's about, uh, I do think it's about chilling independent journalists. I I personally got taken down from WordPress in the wake of a an Alex Jones story. And it's, uh, I think that's what this is all about. But there are other prongs of attack that will lead to internet censorship. And one of them is this, I think, I'm open to argument, this uh, Hawley bill. Hawley is the youngest senator. He's a Republican. I read a little bit about it from this article from The Hill. It says the uh, 
Hawley's uh, ending support for Internet Censorship Act would require big tech companies to submit to external audits conducted by the Federal Trade Commission to prove their algorithms and content moderation practices are not biased against either U.S. political party. It would require the companies to undergo audits every two years. Big tech companies in the bill are defined as those with more than 30 million active monthly users in the U.S., more than 300 million active monthly users worldwide, or companies with more than 500 million in global annual revenue. With Section 230, tech companies get a sweetheart deal that no other industry enjoys, complete exemption from traditional publisher liability in exchange for providing a forum free of political censorship, Holly said. There's a lot there. Uh, they shouldn't have traditional publisher liability because they're not producing the content. And this is to want them to be responsible for it is exactly why I also got taken down from YouTube for a show I broadcast on the public airwaves on WSB. They didn't like it. They they claim that sponsors hold you, hold them responsible for the content of these videos, which is was not true. It was not true. Nobody thought of it that way. And if you assert that you can be responsible for it, then maybe you will be held responsible for it. But if we act like it's neutral and disconnected and there is nothing, one, the platform has nothing to do with the content, then uh, you can let advertisers decide themselves. Surely you can do that. Uh, I want to get some uh, listener feedback. Binkley, my producer, Binkley here, uh, give us a tweet. All right, I have a tweet from Bill. He tweets, if we Americans hope to keep the Constitution and Bill of Rights extant for our kids and grandkids, freedom of speech protections not only must be passed, but strictly enforced. So I'm thinking he's in favor. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to I want to hear what y'all think. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'll take some calls in the order in which they were received. I'm going to Pierce. Pierce, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Hey. I'm kind of like, in a way, I'm kind of in support. But in another thing, why don't conservatives use a page out of the liberal playbook and file class action suits for discrimination when we can prove their content and everything is discriminated against them based on they're not doing anything with liberals who are, you know, well, uh, hmm. I think because to, if I have a, yeah. but if I had a business, wouldn't I be just wouldn't it, if I kept you out because of your political views, I'd be in violation of federal law, wouldn't I? I think that protected classes discrimination is has to be on something basically that you can't control, like your ethnicity or uh, your sexual orientation. I don't think it applies to uh, viewpoints that you hold. <laughs> I don't think so. But the First Amendment, so to the extent that it that the First Amendment is applied to private and it is like you can't publics can't keep people off their property from handing out political flyers based on the First Amendment, which I don't think should apply to private entities. But if it applies to them, it needs to apply, I would think, to the new public square, which is big tech, which is the Internet. Yeah. What do you think, Binkley? If people have made their livelihoods on there, if that's they were well entrenched and established, if that's how they make their living, and then they're kicked off, is there potentially a, a is there a tort there? 
Yeah, for taking yeah. away a, a person's ability to make a living? Well, it would be in our case, or my case with WordPress, I had a contract. It was a business platform, and I did not violate that contract. So, yeah. and their warning to me was, you're not in violation of, of anything. So I should have a, a, I should have damages for breach of contract. Yeah. For one thing, you know, Impossible. and then pay. You should pay. I pay. Yeah. I, I mean, we're being taught now that we need to be on the internet, especially from a young age. And if you're taught that and you end up growing a business there and then all of a sudden it's yes. taken away. This is the thing that actually maybe we can get to the resolution here. We, the, the internet is becoming an indispensable economic tool for our livelihoods. And it was, it, it was fostered by tax dollars. Google, I, I did a whole show on how Google was, uh, was uh, incubated by the Defense Department and other yeah. government entities and other intellectuals, whatever, people who were developing intellectual property also were in on that. And, and so the government has taken our tax dollars and created an indispensable gateway to the marketplace, and then they tell us that we don't have our rights, and that's there. There it is. That's my problem with it, and that's why I think you should. It should be governed by free speech, which this regulation isn't. Free speech is not regulated. Free speech is, in my opinion, unlimited until it encroaches on someone else's right. So, c- crying out, fire in a crowded theater. That theater owner has a right to show his his movie without being interfered with in that way. And when you interfere with it, he suffers real damages, which he can get you to pay for. And that will deter people. That's how it works. That's how our liberties are constrained. We are not allowed to do things. We can do whatever we want until it butts up against somebody else's liberty. And then they have an action against us. So I think Pierce is on to the right thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go to Paul. Paul. Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm doing good, Monica. How are you and your family? Great, thank you. What uh, I wonder if we agree or disagree today. What do you have? Well, this is uh, this debate is some kind of a political sinkhole. Uh, it's happened in China, and thousands of internet cafes have been closed by the government, not because people are dangerous over there, but because the Chinese government doesn't want people um, challenging what's going on in their country. And uh, I think I live near Perimeter Mall. There are two computer stores in Perimeter Mall. And uh, I think that uh, regulations or agreements should be kind of simple. And we shouldn't get into a lot of uh, language that scares or confuses the common people. And um, um, I support uh banning language that's threatening or pornographic against people i know you can't you can't you can't ban everything but you can kind of put a lid on some of it and i think that we should uh we should keep the internet like it was back in the 1990s uh when it was first coming out and people could use it real easily and they, there wasn't a lot of garbage associated with it I think I think we need to defend the uh, the rights that uh, were in our country that have helped people, whether they're women wanting the right to vote, or their labor leaders trying to increase wages, or their parents trying to get better services for daycare. 
that's what we should be doing, and we shouldn't burden our population with a lot of political bricks. All right. Well, I think I think that um, Paul and I are getting to know each other as uh, as we. Uh, I think Paul's classic kind of <clears throat> liberal. I'm not trying to label anybody, but. Classically, there was the liberal side of it, which is that you could do whatever you want, smoke your pot, whatever, and um, protect civil liberties, but also have the safety net. And on the right, it was a little more bare bones, small government. And things have evolved so that the right is now about physical security and the left is about fiscal security. As a libertarian, I believe in... Uh, individual liberty and personal responsibility on all issues at all times, like Harry Brown uh, famously quoted. And Paul, I think, is sincere. I don't, I don't agree with the um, his position on safety nets, but I do. But it sounds like he's uh, a throwback to the liberal defense of civil liberties, and also identifies China. I think China is an incubator, a test ground for police state, digital police state rules the way I believe the Soviet Union did a lot of like human experimentation in psychology and culture that we that we have piggybacked on stuff that we weren't allowed to get away with or that we used while they're doing it as an excuse for us doing it like the mind control experiments MK Ultra. So I think China is doing that kind of thing is the incubator is the first mover is the testing ground for some of these police state measures and by keeping the digital world titularly private we say that it is not something that is protected by the rights. But and, and I agree with Paul. It's funny. I'm surprised you say this and people will be surprised. I said I don't want the porn and the vulgarity and all that on and uh, the public airwaves. I am a libertarian. I'm not saying you should tell private people what to do with their stuff. But and actually by regulating it. You give people this false sense of security. Well, they won't let porn pop up on my kids' thing, but they do certainly have very dark themes. So there would be a private market that emerged to screen that stuff out or alternatives that offered a platform of free political speech but no porn or whatever. Now you have no choice but to have your political speech suppressed, but the dark themes and the kind of inappropriate content for teens and stuff is very hard to suppress. So uh, I agree, though. I don't think there was anything wrong with it. I think they were trying to get Pippa and Sopa to come down while people were still not alarmed by what was happening. And then nobody would go for it. So now they have uh, they are emphasizing stuff that could go wrong. And when they emphasize alarming behaviors or stuff that could go wrong, they promote it inadvertently or advertently. I don't know. But there is a it's very that's why Peter Thiel's pet project is not me medics. Not M-E-M, but mimetics, M-I-M. It's mimicry. Mimicry is a very serious uh, study for Peter Thiel, a big tech guy. And I believe it's because that this they can create whatever phenomenon they want, either false flags or whatever, but just simply by presenting the idea, they can kind of get these things to manifest themselves. And those are the items that get us to change our opinion about policy or think we need regulation. So don't fall for that. I want to get to um, Maurice, Charmaine, and Randy uh, after the break. And at the bottom of the hour, 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. It's all real. 
Oh, my God, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are going to go some rapid fire with calls. I'll take one now, and then uh, Randy and Charmaine, hang on. I don't want to cut you short. We're going to get to you at the bottom of the hour. And then I want to tell you that Binkley and I have launched an interview series on thepropreport.com. I'm going to tell you about our first interview, maybe play a clip or two from that, and uh, um, tell you about a, a couple of exciting new ideas that will give you hope. I'm not just going to be negative. I hate the negativity. All right, I'm going to take some calls and go to Maurice. Maurice, you are on with Monica. You got one minute, Hi. Maurice, so get to it. Okay. Um, John Kerry shows up in Iran uh, and talks with them, and, uh, you know, Trump says he's breaking the Logan Act, which he was. There were a bunch of other Obama dignitaries doing the same thing. The gist of this is that, um, you know, Trump was never going to do any military action. It's just optics for the world, basically. And that they're working a deal behind the scenes. Um, You know, essentially, there is deep state in Iran and uh, in what I'm hearing is that the drone was shot down in part to find out where their facilities are and find out other information. So they had put the drone up intentionally. Um, the tanker, people on the Japanese tanker said that they were hit with a missile, not with a torpedo or a mine or whatever it is. All right, it's so very, they, you know, it's very interesting what you're saying, Maurice, and I hope you're right, and it's true. What goes on in Iran is weird because the Ayatollah was educated in Paris. We basically took the Shah out and we put the Shah in. So it is complicated in Iran. I hope you're right. I hope there is no war afoot. Fingers crossed and prayers for that. Uh, Randy Charmaine, hang on. And then uh, you're going to get a treat from the prop report after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Bring big drama show. Let's go. Let's do it. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on WSB. We were just talking about this uh, Senator Hawley wanting to require that uh, the companies, big tech companies, are uh, they have to pr- prove that they are politically neutral before they receive protections under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which largely gives Internet platforms legal immunity over content posted on their sites by third parties. That's what you want. That's what I want. I want no one telling me what I can or cannot say. If I say something bad or wrong uh, and I cause somebody actual damages, I should have to pay those damages. I also don't like nuisance suits where they can accuse you of that and have you force up, rack up a lot of legal bills only to destroy you whether you're innocent or guilty that's a big problem too but i want to know if you want this uh, if you want this kind of protection to protect conservative ideas if you think it would work what do you think i'm going to go to the phones 800 wsb talk i'm going to go to randy randy you're on with monica now thank you monica i'm definitely against regulating the, the free speech in america and i'll tell you why i worked my career in a regulator position in the federal government under transportation. And when Congress creates these agencies, it's 
evidence that they are not actually doing their legislative duty, but creating these massive agencies that have direct uh, total control over our lives. Some of it's good, some of it's not so good. But if we regulate, for example, the Internet, they're going to have to create and stand up a new agency to regulate it. With regulation comes oversight, penalties, fines, and litigation. All of that has to be taken into account, and it'll appear very much like the IRS, and they're going to have to bring in people that are from the clandestine world that could handle this kind of technology. So you'd see people leaving, for example, the CIA and other agencies like that coming into a new agency, and we're all going to have to live with that if we allow it to happen. That's a, a big picture that I wasn't thinking about. They would This particular thing would fall under the FCC, but I do agree with you. It's well-established, I think, that administrative law is dereliction of duty by Congress. It allows the executive branch to make these laws. They're laws. They have the force of law, and they have never been legislated by the legislative branch. And Correct. that is the giant bureaucracy that you're talking about. And and not only is it a trap and it's costly, it gives them all this power. And even if it were run uh, correctly, in good faith, it would be expensive enough to comply that it would keep small people out. And, and that And the small person is the individual who's just trying to exercise freedom of speech, in my opinion. That's right, and it leads to the big uh, monopolies that you see today. The yes, and and a big uh, there's something called the Journalism Competition and Preservation Act, where the news organizations are getting together and they're trying to get an antitrust exemption so that they can collective bargain with Facebook and Google and kind of uh, split the booty for internet news, and they say, oh, well, it'll be fine for the little guy. They'll benefit from it. But the little guy has no power. They have no power to, to force Facebook and Google to share their clicks with them or share the benefit of the revenue with them. And it's these kind of oligopolies that arise in a highly regulated environment. I think that's well-established. It's well-established statistically and to to foster that and fertilize that to grow into something even more gigantic than we're used to is just mind-blowing. That's interesting. And what it did, I'm going to let you go, Randy. Thank you so much for the call. One thing that it, it that this does do is, so first they, they replace the public square with these organizations that the government fostered. They replace the public square. It is the public square now. We don't go out. Even when we're out, Binkley points out, like, you could do a thought experiment. Just look at, look up. Look up once. Or look around the, at the people around you. Don't look all the way up and look in the sky and really make you crazy. But look at each other and see that everybody has their face in their phone. So even when you are in the public square, you're really not interacting anymore. You, you, Your interaction, you look like a zombie to the people around you in meat space, but in fact, you're actually interacting politically and all that kind of stuff on the internet, and that is the public square now. So if you 
if you keep people from total freedom of expression, limited only by the pushback they receive when they encroach on other people's rights, you are violating the First Amendment, in my opinion. And there's nothing that we can do about it. And that's it has to be looked at that way. It's like this quasi-public-private thing that has no – it's completely outside of our – uh, of the transparency that's required for self-governance. I don't like it. But I do like something that we just started. Uh, Binkley, I want your help in explaining. So we, we do a podcast at thepropreport.com. And we on the, that, we post this show commercial-free on Wednesdays. And we post a podcast that we do every week uh, on Thursday. So that's where Binkley and I go a little bit deeper. We don't have a clock to fight. There's no commercials. And we decided to, in the, to make it more interesting and augment that stuff with uh, some interviews. So we launched our interview series with the help of our first guest, Pete Raymond, who is a local libertarian activist, author, podcaster. He's Atlanta-based. He uh, he just did an interview with Ron Paul. So I like Ron Paul's my the only politician I can think. Well, I like Justin Amash too, and and uh, Massey Thomas Massey. So there's there are some some heroes out there. I think and not all our heroes are fake. I hope. Anyway, so Pete Raymond is very active and uh, an effective libertarian anarcho-capitalist, which I am too. I really believe that society is self-ordering and that interaction, commerce, is its own police. So, like, the perfect example of that, which the powers that be, including Alexandria Ocasio, are trying to get rid of, tipping in restaurants are is like the perfect example like there's no law about it it's just fair people do it because they don't want to be censured anyway so that's anarcho-capitalism in a nutshell in my opinion but pete is working on a documentary that i like i'm uh contributed to it i can't wait to see it i want to drive people to the interview so we did this interview with pete raymond on the Properport.com. But what, Binkley, do you have clips or does Rachel have them about what the documentary is? I have a couple of clips of Pete talking about the documentary. All right. Let's hear them. Which one? Which one? Uh, clip two. All right. Let's hear clip two. Watch next year that on Netflix and Amazon Prime, there will be a documentary with the top libertarians in the world talking about how to transition into – a society where people don't have to be forced into interactions. It's amazing that it's going to be on Netflix and Amazon prime is great too, but like that will be fantastic. And the most important thing to me is it teaches, it's going to answer the question. How do you get from here to there? That's That's the the problem. Yeah. Yeah. People worry about that. And I really want to hear it. And then I think clip one gave a little more color to the, to the philosophy maybe let's hear clip one we are doing what we believe to be the first documentary on the history of government and transitioning into an anarcho-capitalist society so people misunderstand i think anarcho-capitalism actually really misunderstand it to where when i first said it people thought it was (laughs) narco-capitalism which would be drug dealing no, anarcho-capitalism and the anarcho part, it doesn't mean chaos. People want you to think that anarchy, 
anarcho-capitalism is chaos. It doesn't mean chaos. It just means no overarching authority. So, like, the Internet being in a state of chaos doesn't mean it's not a state of chaos. And not having an overarching authority doesn't mean it's in a state of chaos. It's not. It's in. It's it's quite orderly, as a matter of fact. I mean, you can't. You don't even have to put the stuff in order to be able to make sense of it, to sift it, to sort it, to search it, to organize it. I mean, it's it's amazing. I actually will type stuff in to like a Word document or whatever of where to find my files. And then I can just search the Word document and say, oh, I did the, all this stuff on this show, on this date, and I'll go to my files and find all those articles that I printed out. So, like, you can just – it just makes your life so much more orderly, and yet there is no authority that tells you how to do that. And that's the same for society itself is self-ordering. Who would build the roads? The roads would be built by the guys who build the apartment buildings and the and the shopping malls. That's who would build the roads, the people. And then how would you – how would you enforce it? Well, they would provide security and rules, or you would have your own security. I mean, I think that's what the Knights Templar were, weren't they? You mean the... Kamala Harris's group? Oh, my gosh. Well, what's the episode? And we can't just throw that out without... I'll link the episode about how Kamala Harris is linked to the Knights Templar on Twitter and in the show notes. Okay. Let's hope that he can back that up. I, I'm... <laughs> I did not do my own research on that, but he did bring some interesting articles to that. You should tell us the – oh, you're going to link it. We'll look at that because it's great. People love that episode, and I will retweet it at Monica Perez Show. So, yeah, so that I'm excited to hear this, guys. Pete and uh, and the gang, I think Ron Paul is going to be in that too, my fave. I did an interview with Ron Paul. It was Probably the first time anyone had heard in the mainstream the expression deep state. Yes, that was before deep state became cool. And corrupted. Yeah. Now it's deep state as Obama holdovers. <laughs> that is most definitely not what he was talking about. So, yeah, so this is what these guys are uh, are going to help us understand, and I love it. I, I lose I – lose focus sometimes on that stuff because I'm so I have made the decision personally to just try to kick the can down the road here and preserve the Bill of Rights because a revolution is is tricky stuff and people get hurt and sometimes I do believe it is necessary but I really don't know what these guys have in store for us in this documentary if it, if the if how to get from here to there is revolutionary or not I remember Ron Paul said that he thought things would get worse before they got better, but out of the ashes of the society. And I think we are there. I think that when I look at like this PIPA and SOPA thing, first they tried to pass it through the legislative process, and it did not work. The people spoke, and that was great. We were right. And then they, whoever... Whoever writes the memos decided to, well, DARPA, the Defense Research Agency, wrote that memo on mimetics enhancing dysfunctional subcultures so if they if the alternative is to enhance dysfunctional subcultures to get us to think that we to get us to consent to policy we wouldn't in our right minds consent to is that really self-governance is it really at this point self-governance it's just it's just rule through fear which is despotism and tyranny so i feel like we're kind of in the post-american period here and our only hope is that they that they don't know we know it, so they have to continue with the facade by at least adhering to some of our uh, 
uh, our protections as we cling for dear life to them. And I think that's where I am right now. And it's not a very hopeful place to be. So I have a high expectations that that documentary, which is called uh, The Monopoly on Violence. And if you want to support it, it's at Indiegogo. I think it was called Beyond the State. Maybe that's right. Either one. Yeah, Beyond the State. So we can, uh, I think I might have tweeted that. You can certainly find it on thepropreport.com in the pool. It's like the press pool. It's where we go. And uh, it's kind of an alternative to Twitter, Facebook, but it's just us talking, Binkley and I and listeners. It's, it's anyway, so I, I linked to, to it there. All right, so let's wrap it up after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. They think they control the galaxy. I disagree. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are wrapping it up. I got to say, I think we covered an awful lot. Binkley, you think that was too much, too much to absorb in one sitting? It was just the right amount. (laughs) Oh, good answer. Good answer. I will say, though, if you didn't hear it all and you want to hear it, I think I really cracked the code not only on why Alex Jones is in the news this week, but on a pattern that I find I'm actually surprised it took me this long to see it as a clear pattern. But I think I cracked the code on the new method of uh, policy advocacy. And you can if you haven't didn't hear the show or you, you don't you don't think you got that out of it. You can go to the dot com where we post on Wednesdays this show commercial-free. On Thursdays, we post our podcast together, The Propaganda Report, also commercial-free, of course. And we just launched our interview series. I don't think that's going to be weekly, not yet anyway, but our first guest was Pete Raymond, an Atlanta-based libertarian educator, activist, author, documentary filmmaker, and you can hear our interview with him about libertarianism and oh, what gets people banned from social media. I don't know why we thought that would be a good idea to take off every possible thing that can get you in trouble. But if you're interested in it, you can. That's already posted right now on the propaganda report or the prop We'll be back with the Monica Perez show next Saturday from three to six. <laughs>